0: We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. Free speech
1: lives here. Talk Radio 12. WPHT. WPHT HD. 3 Philadelphia. Radio.com station. Now, from the Malamut and Associates Law Studios, it's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your host. for the- Radio Hour. The Mortgage Mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Classes, Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Good morning. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate on Talk Radio on a Labor Day weekend. I'm Mark Cumberland, along with my co-host, The Mortgage Mom and cat how are you Dan
2: mark if I was any better I'd be you (laughs)
1: it's tough being me I'm telling you (laughs) and we're excited to be here every week on WPHT talk radio 1210 every week at nine on Sundays if you want to ask us a question about residential mortgages commercial real estate give us a call my number is 267-266 5501. What's your number? Now? My
2: number is 609-605-7153.
1: See, I got a better my number rings. I know.
2: I'm gonna actually get a new number, but you know I'm not gonna give that one out. <laughs> All
1: right. So we're here to keep you informed every week and you listen to this show and past shows that our website, goodnewsandrealestate.com dot com, and also at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today?
2: Coming DM? up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with asking Dr. A.
1: Yeah, part two of that. That was interesting last week. He's doing a
2: great job, as always. We also have your funny story.
1: Got one for you. We also
2: have our mortgage mom topic.
1: Which is what?
2: Post-foreclosure bankruptcy and short sale matrix. Don't worry about it. You're going to screw it up anyway. (laughs) Don't even try to write it down. I (laughs) got (laughs) you. Mark, we also have our questions. Should we repaint a house we haven't even bought yet? And that's funny because I have that going on right now. I want to convert a den to a bedroom before I list my house. What do I need to do? Next question is I'm facing foreclosure on my deceased mother's home. I don't have I don't have thirty eight thousand dollars, my credit is bad and HUD is taking over the loan. Is there anything I'm I can just, do?
1: I just hope somebody would one of them.
2: The next question is, how does the sale of a home work with paying off an existing mortgage? Does the mortgage get paid off first and then the commission dispersed?
1: Good question. And then, Mark,
2: we have our topic of the day, which is myths of millennials.
1: Myths of millennials. And there's a lot of them. Oh, there
2: are. But first, give us your motivational quote.
1: All right. So the motivational quote is, never give up. For that is just the place and the time that the tide will turn. And I know a lot of people that gave up right at the finish line. They always talk about it in football uh, scenarios and that they quit at the one yard line right. just when things were gonna happen. So you never give up until it's done.
2: Persistence you know? is everything.
1: It always pays off. So where are we at?
2: Mark, we're up to the market report.
1: And there is the bell. And there, here we are on a Sunday, on a Labor Day weekend. Hopefully, everybody's going to have a good, safe time, and uh, keep your distance.
2: <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because this week we're going to be able to actually dine inside.
1: Yeah, in Jersey, yeah. Yeah. I've been just riding right up the street, road, and dining all the time. <laughs> So anyway, responding to this continual national trend, the inventory shortfall is still continuing. And in 2020, it's up 4%, meaning inventory is down even worse than it was. I just had a new class start this week, and I told them, I asked them the usual question, how many, there's 676,000 houses in Philadelphia, how many for sale? I got one said 200,000. A hundred thousand, fifty thousand, and one girl laughed and said, twenty one hundred. And I said, You are close. It's thirty one hundred. And none of them could believe it. You would think they would do a little research before signing off to get that license, but they don't.
2: I mean everything's at your fingertips.
1: I know. You can even talk it and it comes Or they
2: just have to listen to the show every Sunday and they will be be well informed.
1: That's right. I told uh our the greatest accountant in the world, Mr. Devlin, I got a letter from him this week and I said, I've been mentioning you. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently you have not been listening. <laughs> anyway, the Boston Metro area continues to lead the nation as the hottest real estate market with the median list price, median list price of six hundred and thirty one thousand and median days on the market, three. <sighs> That's how that's crazy insane. it is. Boston area has seen their average listing price change year over year, up again 4%. June, on the average, is the month when uh, homes sell the fastest in the U.S., but that's kind of changed, and now it's basically year-round. Homeownership, though, has gone up. I remember about five years ago, we were, uh, it was at a low. We're back up to 64.3%. Of people in the United States are now homeowners, and forty percent of Philadelphia still rents, and well, that uh, went up
2: a little bit.
1: Yeah, that went up a couple years, two years ago, from thirty-seven to forty percent. Right. But they ought to start buying now. They should all call you up, all forty percent of them, <laughs> and see and have a plan. I'm
2: working on it. I'm working on it. <laughs>
1: and that would be the end of you. In 2020, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are projecting that they're going to underwrite approximately 20,000 more mortgages than they did in 19. The Midwest and Southeast regions are expected to have the most reliable growth in terms of prices sale wise, uh, going up three four percent a year. National home sales increased steadily month over month, 19 into 20. Now, here's an interesting statistic. They starting from 555,000 homes sold in December of 18 up to 690,000 in 19 and they expect that to be a little higher. They usually used to run about a million, over a million one a year in sales and it went down all the way to 500,000. Number of homes, the sales price less than 200,000 has fallen steadily since 2012, starting nearly at 1.1 million to a projection of just over 400019 and that might be a little higher in 2020. And the mortgage rates, on average, 10% lower than they were in 2018, driving mortgage apps up 8%. And in 2019, 35% of residential properties sold between 95 and 99% of their listed price.
2: I gotta disagree with um, mortgage rate applications up 8%. There's no way.
1: All right. It, you don't think it's up 8%? i think it's
2: up at least 18 percent. i mean oh it's much higher and that's
1: just because that's just because everybody loves the mortgage mom when they're calling <laughs> no, you and that's not every mortgage person <laughs> but anyway home prices are on the rise mostly due to the increased pressure on inventory many people thought the seller's market we were experiencing for the last few years was on its way out but it's not it's going to be lasting for a while This conclusion may conflict with the fact that existing home sales continue to fall. But one explanation of this disparaging fact could be that home sellers are worried about being able to afford a home if they decide to sell. I think I I don't agree with that. I think most of the problem with the sellers and the inventory is they don't know what's going on. The media never talks about real estate. And I blame this on the agents. And I think by the time this pandemic over is over, there's going to be a lot less realtors because they're all sitting around. They sent out that Eagle schedule and that Philly schedule, which uh, they were worthless. And the the average seller that's contemplating selling doesn't know what's going on. I think that's the biggest problem, me personally.
2: I think you need to be knocking Uh, on people's doors right now doing, you know, getting the word out. At
1: least call them up. Get the word out. A phone call, reach out and touch somebody. Fifty-nine percent of the home buyers under the age of twenty-nine don't expect to be in their home for more than ten years. Twenty-eight percent of them plan on bring, uh, being in a home, new home for less than five years. Hmm. So that's what we we're getting back to where we used to be—that five-year five turnaround.
2: Year, yep.
1: Yep. As 2018 millennials made up 30 percent, 37 percent of residential buyers. One-third of the home buyers in 19 going into 20. Uh, eighteen percent of the home buyers in 2019 g- and going into 20 were single females the women are taking over the world we're outnumbered uh, I don't are. know
2: don't forget it I'm
1: telling you, Watch you out. you're not getting a, you're not getting a life jacket and getting in the boat first anymore no that's over Use <laughs> <laughs> a rule in the world the average millennial household income in 2018 ranged from 71 to 101 and one thousand. In 2019, it, that went up, and it's going up again. Uh, back in 19, 84% of the home buyers identified themselves as Caucasian. I don't know why that one was in there. But 74% of the first-time home buyer occupied rental housings before they bought their house. And one in six home buyers in 19 were willing to compromise on the condition of a home if price and location were right. That, I think, has changed a little bit because a lot of people are so busy now, like you always talk about, they wanna walk in, bring their bags, and they don't want to do anything. Right. They're not in the old, they got. They don't still have time in their life for the fixer-uppers. On the average, buyers search on their own for a new home three weeks before contacting a real estate agent. Other than finding the right property, millennials identifying, understanding the home buying process and steps as the most difficult Item in a journey. That's why they do all the searches on Zillow and all those sites, and then they hire an agent because they don't want to make a mistake.
2: Yeah, and the other part of that, Mark, is that there's not a lot of people that are actually explaining the process. You know, taking them through it step by step, which is important because when you get somebody and their head starts spinning, it's just it's it's not going to get any easier. They're going to get stressed out and frustrated. So that's why my team and I make it a point to make sure that they absolutely understand the timelines and they understand the process.
1: Right, that's why I always suggest to agents do a buyer needs analysis, meet at the office, and explain from the beginning to the end so they at least heard it once, and there's and then you're not surprising them every step of the way. Right. Makes life sick. Absolutely. So tell us about the rates.
2: The thirty-year fixed conventional rate, two point seven five percent. Now we're we're fluctuating back and forth, two point six five, two point seven five. You're, I know, right?
1: They're so great, (laughs) Mr. Devlin, Mr. Devlin. (laughs) I'm not even good. I got a letter. I got a letter from today, though. He wanted to make sure I sent my uh, quarterly donation into the (laughs) bureaucrats. So I wrote the check last week. Actually, let me tell you this real fast. Uh, They usually, how I pay my taxes with them, they use my routing number and all, and they do it directly. Their IRS's system was down, and they're sitting on two million pieces of mail. So he said, he called me back. He goes, I can't do it. Send it registered mail. I was like, All right. So I went to the post office, which I'm not used to that. (laughs) Did you know (laughs) where it was? Yeah, I found one. I GPSed, and then. uh, I went in the first one. There was a line who had to be like hundred people. I went, oh, right. <laughs> and I finally found one. It was only a couple people in, <laughs> but I sent my donation.
2: All right, very good. <laughs> let's let's get through these right. rates real quick.
1: Uh right, get through the 20 rates.
2: Twenty-year fixed rate is two point six two five. Your fifteen-year rate is two point five. Your FHA rate is two point six two five percent. So God. this is the best time ever. I did a refinance for someone on Friday. She was at 4.625 on a 30-year FHA. She went to a 15-year fix on a conventional, got rid of the mortgage insurance, and also lowered her payment by 70 bucks and cut the term in half. You gotta give me a call, 609-605-7153.
1: Call call our friend of Donnie Devlin, the best best accountant in the world. Please call him. (laughs) All right. With that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back.
0: On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Casares and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt Free Living. Learn more at WeHateDebt.com.
1: All right, welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time here on a Labor Day weekend. So where are we at, Dan? Well, we
2: are at the greenhouse in Margate doing this show that, no, sorry. Um, We are up to (laughs) our funny story.
1: All right, very good. And I happen to see this story, and since I live in the old St. Cecilia's convent, I had to use this one. This one's called The Painting Nuns. So these two nuns were ordered to paint a room in the convent, right? And, and I could tell the nuns weren't great painters because when I moved in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and the last instruction, Mother Superior told the nuns that don't get a drop of paint on their habits. So after conferring for a while, these two nuns decided to lock the room, strip off all their habits, and paint in the nude so they wouldn't get no paint on them. In the middle of the project comes a knock on the door, and they go, Who is it? Calls out the nuns. And the guy goes, blind man, replies a male voice. The two nuns look at each other, shrug, deciding that no harm can come from letting a blind man into the room. So they open the door. He goes, hi, sisters. Where do you want the blinds?
2: Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good one. If you have a funny story you'd like to hear at our show, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267-266-5222.
1: all right and now it is time for the mortgage bomb segment with the mortgage bomb d and Saris from green tree mortgage and her topic is post foreclosures bankruptcies and short sales matrix so people
2: call all the time and want to know (laughs) (laughs) want to have an idea of what kind of waiting period they need from if they've had a chapter 13 a chapter 7 things like that so right. it's I'm gonna go over a lot of information that's probably gonna be hard on the radio but if I figure it if I hold this up everyone will not be able to see it so we're gonna go over it yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> all right so for instance if you've had a foreclosure and you're looking to get a conventional mortgage with less than 20% down, or even 20% down. You need to wait seven years from the date that you had that foreclosure. With an FHA loan, it's gonna be three years from the date of the completion. And when I say completion, I mean the time that the property was sold and the foreclosure was paid, everything was paid off. If you have a two,
1: three years years
2: on an FHA loan, seven years if you're gonna go conventional.
1: Why seven years when a conventional? So you you, you, the can,
2: you don't get. You can't ask all these questions because it's a yeah. higher risk. But oh. these are the. They're called guidelines.
1: Yeah, you can rules. question them
2: all you want, but that doesn't mean they're going to change. So when is
1: this by county too? It is
2: not by county. <laughs> it is not by county.
1: <laughs> and how many counties there are in the United States? So your VA
2: loan has
1: three thousand and three. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And how many homes are for sale in Philadelphia? 3,100. hundred. Uh, hundred.
1: 3,100, that's right.
2: VA loan, <laughs> two years from the date of completion. Now, if you've had a short sale, which means right. that you actually sold the property for less than what, it, what you owed on it, that's called a short sale. Right. Or you gave the deed back, you turned the deed back in and the bank sold the property. If you're going to do a Fannie or Freddie, which is still your conventional loan, it's going to be four years from the date of the short sale. So once that property was sold, it's four years from that particular date.
1: So we got seven, three, and four so far.
2: Now with an FHA loan, if you do that short sale, it's going to be three years from the date of completion. And again, two years. So with your FHA and your VA, so far we're exactly the same, right? Three years. Right. And two years. Right. Now, if I've if you've had a Chapter Seven bankruptcy, so you filed right. a bankruptcy, they've eliminated all your debt. Conventionally, it's four years from the date of your discharge. So, if your bankruptcy was discharged in in August of 2020, <laughs> you need to wait yes. four years. So, in September four of 2024, you're going to be able to get a conventional loan with a conventional. So
1: that word seven three four you're gonna mess everyone
2: up (laughs) if you've had a chapter seven and you're going Uh to apply for an fha loan it's going to be two years from the date of Uh discharge all right so we got another number in there for you but the Uh, key to this is you have to make sure that you don't have any late payments since then and you haven't incurred any more collections on your credit report so you can't have a bankruptcy decide to get an fha loan and still have collections and late payments because the underwriters are looking at it as if they've given you an opportunity to wipe the slate clean and now you're doing the same thing all over again. So your credit has to improve. You have to have a good history from the time of your discharge. I got that part. You got it? Right. All right.
1: Can't make no mistakes.
2: VA, same thing. So chapter 13, a chapter 13 is when you actually go into repayment. So you... You have a. Um, you go into the trust. They pay. They come up with your payment arrangements, and you pay back that debt over a period of two years, three years. Now, right. with an FHA loan, you can get a new mortgage one year after the payout, but you have to get permission from the court to enter into the mortgage. So the courts are gonna look at your paperwork and make sure that everything was paid on time, look at your debt to income ratio, and determine with a chapter 13 if you can still apply for a mortgage. If you're gonna go conventionally, you're gonna need to wait two years from the date of discharge. So now, rattle all those numbers back, Mark, so we all know, right?
1: Now I'm going to get my decoder ring out from when I was a kid, and this I'm going to put all these numbers in. It's probably going to spell bureaucracy.
2: Oh my god, that was good. That was good. I like that. So, if you had an FHA loan, if you had an FHA loan, and you were in, you had a foreclosure, it's three years from the date of discharge. If you had a short sale, three years from the date of discharge. If you had a Chapter Seven bankruptcy. It's gonna be two years from the date of discharge, but you have to make sure that you rebuild your credit, no collections, no late fees, and have a minimum credit score of a 640. The higher, the better. Chapter 13 is gonna be one year from the payout before you can apply, and you have to go through the courts to get their approval. Right. Got it?
1: I got all All that.
2: So the key...
1: And all of that I am going to avoid.
2: (laughs) which everyone should at all costs and and the other part right. of this too is especially now with people that are refinancing um it's key that you can't have any late payments within the last 12 months so anything right. when i say late payment i mean 30 days or more if you're 15 days right. late it's not going to be reported to the credit agencies okay but you're going to need to um totally lost my train of thought on that because
1: that was a lot of fun. Oh.
2: So, if you're going to refinance or you're going to purchase, you have to have a clean slate of mortgage payments for 30 for 12 months. You cannot be 30 or more days late.
3: Days if you're late.
2: 15 days and you're paying that extra late fee, you're fine. You're not going to be, right. that does not show up on your credit report. All right. All right.
1: That was a good segment. That was a lot it of information. It is info. a
2: lot of information. And you know what? I should probably put that up on the website or you, you should, or you can just give me a call and I'll be happy to email it to you. It's also on anybody? It's on my website yeah. which is mortgagemom.net. So it's posted on my website. You can go right there and check it out.
1: But anybody dealing with foreclosure, bankruptcy, short sales, uh, that needs info. They should definitely Yeah, cuz it. it's not they that, that there's
2: a little bit more to it, but these are these will just give you the matrix of your waiting period.
1: All, all right. right. That was very so good. So coming up next that was a lot
2: is going to be our question and answer segment.
1: All right. Very good. Good segment. Thanks, Mike. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We will be right back.
0: Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. But first, a word from one of our home team partners, Remax, and Alan Stassen, who's famous for being a Philadelphia real estate expert.
1: All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio, 1210 WPHT, all positive. Oh, the time. So where are we at, Ms. Kat Sarris?
2: Mr. Cumberland, we are up to our answer, our question and answer segment.
1: All right, I'm ready. You ready? Give me one. All right, one. question
2: number one. Yes. Should we repaint a house we haven't even bought yet?
1: I've actually done this. So have I. My first house I bought, it was an FHA deal. Uh, my sound man from my band's mother had uh, passed away, and he wanted to sell it, and i bought it and i had to do i had to go in and fix the walls in the basement it had to be dashed and all that because of the appraisal and we actually painted the house emptied the house did all the work prior to purchase and you know, I you know what i remember from that deal when the appraiser came out and they they track every burner on his stove i had all the burners working and all and then when he came out he tried them all and one didn't come on and he's like you're gonna have to fix that and out the door uh, he went and then he and then it was like I had to pay another fee came back again and I've got trying them, clicking them. they're all working he comes in turns them and the one didn't light again <laughs> I still remember that but uh, we got it done. we
2: well we have but, a woman right now who's living in a house that she's purchasing And she's on, I think, 11 acres. There's a huge barn out back. I mean, huge barn where there's all this equipment and whatnot in it. And the appraisers calling for the barn to be painted because it's all chipped. And because of the year that the house was built, it's possible that it could, you know, lead-based paint and then all the window treatments. And there's probably like 22 windows in the house and they all have to be scraped and painted.
1: Damn that's pre-settlement possession yeah, absolutely which you can do
2: absolutely that's
1: what you can do all right what's next the next question one?
2: is I want to convert a. do
1: di- we answer that question <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, if sure. you were national, <laughs> yes you should you should do it I did, I think we kind of answer that all right
2: use your right. discretion um, and make sure it's gonna be a color that you like and don't paint it so well that now they don't want to sell it all right next question I wanna convert a den to a bedroom before I list my house. What do I need to do?
1: A den to a bedroom.
2: Put a bed in there, put some blinds up, and you're good to go. It
1: has to have its own door. And a closet. Uh, It it has to have a door uh, to be a separate bedroom. So it's according to how it's set up. Uh, It could be, you just gotta be careful that it has its own way in, that's the only thing. Or else the appraiser is not going to consider it as a bedroom. They're probably doing this because probably it was a two-bedroom with a den, and they want to th- sell it as a three, something like that. But you just got to make sure it has its own separate entrance and all of that to meet. The, you can't be walking through somebody else's bedroom to, to get, get to it. it, right? Right. What's next? The right
2: question thing? is: I'm facing foreclosure on my deceased mother's home. There you go. I don't have thirty-eight thousand dollars. My credit is bad, and HUD is taking over the loan. Is there anything I can do?
1: Yeah, and what uh, with the one I helped somebody with, we reached out to the lender, and we worked out a deal with them, and we did a forbearance agreement, and uh, and they worked out a deal with us. They cut down the payment, and they gave us time, gave the client time, to like catch up and they didn't have to put out like the 38 grand. They put that in the rears. And now how a forbearance agreement works is you have two. You're paying, like maybe the mortgage was, let's pick a number, uh, $1,000. So now you're only paying a couple hundred dollars because they're letting you gradually catch up. But then you're gonna be also paying on the other one. I actually did this this happened to me personally back in the 80s when I took a shot at something that didn't work out and I had no income and I was in a forbearance agreement. And actually, I—I uh, I, I had my son was just born. I had no medical, nothing. My wife had welfare for medical and food stamps. And I still have a food stamp. Really? That I keep upstairs where I throw my keys in my wallet and all. I still saved one from remembering where I came from, and back in the day, all that they gave you food stamps and that welfare and medical, you had to pay that back. I didn't know like, that. I had it. Oh, I had to pay it back. I owed them like by the time I got another job and got working, I owed them like five or six grand. I had to pay them back, and and then they a few a few years later, they you didn't have to pay them back anymore. No I was like, damn. <laughs> Anyway. That's But I helped her out and that's what we did. We did a forbearance agreement because we talked to the lender and we worked out a deal. Yeah.
2: And also, I mean, you can call Legal Shield, get some information um, so that you can at least be represented and know your rights and know the information, you know, in order to proceed. So that's pretty big. All
1: right. Oh, that's right. What's Question
2: number one? four: How does the sale of a home work with paying off an existing mortgage? Does the mortgage get paid off first, and then the commissions dispersed? How does the sale of a home? Okay, so you owe. Yeah,
1: you're at the settlement table. Yeah, they, they pay, pay off the mortgage. Pay off the mortgage, and yeah, and then everything gets paid at the table. So they pay off your. You have a payout, a payoff.
2: Right, but that has that, nothing to do with. The commission being dispersed. The commission is based on what the sale price is, and that's all in one. So that mortgage gets paid off. The title company sends a check to that mortgage company based on the payoff that they received, and then the agents leave that day with the check. The buyer's agent, the seller's agent. Everything gets
1: done at this, yeah, right at the table. Everything Everything is is dispersed, right? Yes. What's the last?
2: Next question is: What do I? what do i owe my realtor if an offer isn't accepted or a deal falls through what would be fair compensation or even just a thank you gesture that isn't insulting to the value of their time
1: this is actually a nice question because most buyers and sellers think agents time is worth zero which when i train agents there's a number if you're making a hundred thousand dollars a year you divide that by 52 by 40, you're worth $48 an hour. So all that time you're working with a client, you're running around showing houses, it's 50 bucks an hour. So if you work with some client for uh, a long time and and then at the end this the whole deal falls apart, you know, most buyers and sellers just walk away and say, oh, well, that didn't work out. In the meantime, that agent, that cost, like my number's 225, so it's 225 an hour of all that time spent that's the for this question this person is a very considerate person they realize that this agent's time is worth money you I think? do and I
2: think that's really nice that's really nice for them to do that but again if their offer isn't accepted let's go on to the next one and make it happen hey
1: yeah, you try to find but for some reason this like ended and it's over or whatever and but some people you know some agents put a thing in that you're going to pay them a fee uh for their work you know it's everything's negotiable but i think it's very considerate as people to consider compensating your agent for their hours because a lot of buyers and sellers think real estate agents time is worth zero they call up and say well when do you want to go out Uh, how about sunday at one like you know and, uh, and this agent had plans with the family and most of the agents We'll say out and go, oh okay, and cancel what our plans. Me, I say yo, that don't work for me. How about you leave work early on Thursday, since this is the biggest investment of your life, and we'll go look at the b- biggest investment of your house. How about that?
2: So, and the other uh, in a warm and fuzzy yeah, way. I'm so sure say. it's warm and fuzzy. <laughs> so the thing, the thing with that now, Mark, is that even when you go to set an appointment, not only the buyer's agent will not take you if you don't have a pre-approval. You can't go see that house unless you send the pre-approval to the listing agent. So you're not able know, to go crazy. see the house. Because too many people are going through the house that aren't qualified. They just want to go know. you know, kick the tires, and the listing agents say absolutely not. They want to see a pre-approval.
1: All right, there are some good questions. So what's where are we at? So
2: coming up next is going to be the myths of the millennials.
1: The topic of the day. All right. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, all positive all the time. We will be right back.
0: Good news in real estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net.
1: All right, welcome back to... Good news in real estate here on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHD all positive all the time. So where are we at, the Mark?
2: We're up to our topic of the day, which is myths of the millennials.
1: Now, there's a lot of myths, so I'm going to try to get most of this in because we have limited time on the show. But uh, I'm going to go over a bunch of them today. Millennials are the me generation. The fact is, the boomers were the same way. They were the me me generation too. Every generation is the me generation. But there's a lot of myths about the millennials. They're different from their parents and their grandparents. Millennials are similar to their parents and grandparents when they were the same age under new circumstances. That's all. They want roughly the same things regardless of when they were born. And they're given interesting work to do. They want to be rewarded, they want to be part of the the economy. Median household incomes when they were 18 to 33 boomers was 60,000. Gen X were 63. Millennials are 61. Uh, so a lot of things are, there's a lot of myths about them. Millennials are unsatisfied with work. Compared to boomers and Gen Xers, millennials reported higher levels of overall company and satisfaction. They like to get involved. Satisfaction with job security, recognition, career development, advancement. But the you know people don't think this of millennials, but I, I see it all the time because I deal with them all the time. They, they like, they wanna be involved. Lack of loyalty to their employers. That's a, you know, contrary to popular perception, millennials actually stay with their employers longer than Gen Xers did at the same ages. And they reflect that the millennials, with all the labor market changes and stuff that's going on over the last three years, they, they actually are loyal. Facts show that millennials are less likely to have been with their employer for less than a year with Gen X. Gen, Gen Xers were the same age. So they are, they do want to stay with their company if it has benefits. Here's the other myth Millennials don't know how to work hard, they have bad worth ethics. Findings of generational differences in worth ethics basically, they do have it, and they're very different. Millennial generation may be unwarranted that they don't have that value. Uh, they they wanna be involved and they are loyal and they and they work hard. But they play hard too and they and they but they want to make money. The other myth is six millennials were subjected to bad parenting strategies. They have close relationships with their parents. As high school students, roughly half say it was important to them to live close to their friends and family compared to twenty-nine percent of the baby boomer boomers back in the sixties and all that wanted to go the flower style hippie Wood lifestyle style. <laughs> yeah i mean like millennials are, are are more oriented to staying around number seven millennials aren't equipped to handle the world's challenges they need the corporate uh, co- need a cooperative parent while there are substantial challenges to meet no generation has been better equipped to overcome them than millennials they're they're highly educated with technology they're more educated than any previous uh, generation, generation. Yeah. yeah they are the other millennial myth is that are lazy and that's just not true what gets them up in the morning is important to them like if they're in got a good job and they're involved in the right career they're into it not like uh, some of the baby boomers were only around 50 percent of them had that kind of motivation And millennials won't do what they're told. That's another myth. In a poll of 5,000 workers found that 41% of millennials agreed that employees should do what their managers tell them even when they can't see the reason for it compared to 30% of the boomers and 30% of the Gen Xers. Because they were even more fighting back. They didn't like rules. So... I got a few more myths. We're going to have to wrap this up, and maybe I'll, I'll finish some of them next week. Yeah,
2: I think you should but, uh, because there's a lot of information in here that um, yeah, there's, there's a some lot. Good stuff. I got a
1: lot more information, yep. and, and and I watched a great millennial uh, seminar about a year ago, which I think we talked about, and I'll talk about that again next week.
2: All right, very good.
1: But there's a lot of myths. Millennials are not who you think they are. From the don't take it from the media.
2: All right. All that right. Was a so good topic. where we at? So Mark, coming up now is we have Doctor Abelson on the line, and we're going to continue our segment with COVID <laughs> and how it's affecting the children.
1: That's right, Doctor.
3: Hi guys, how you doing? We're doing. We're well, very doctor.
1: good. So good. Uh, we got four minutes left, Doctor. So we're last week we talked about the how the uh, COVID was affecting the parents, the DISCs, and then we start talking about the children. You said you were going to follow up this week.
3: Well, let's just get right into it because we don't have that much time. So it's important uh, that when you're interacting with with your kids to realize that they have different ways of being motivated and different ways to do different things with with you as a parent because there's always a combination. Uh, A lot of times parents think it's the child's responsibility to just listen to them, but then you have different types of kids who are resistant to the parents now the difficult part is now the parents have to also be teachers or parents have to also interact with their kids as a teacher so the, the parent has multiple roles now they've got another role that's just sat on top of
1: all this so i know and really that's that's you know what uh, we all me and all my teachers have been talking about this not everybody's good at teaching you well, know
3: a few people are okay you know we even people that are teachers aren't necessarily really good at it, so it's stressful for the parent. So let's let's get into the different things that or different ways to motivate your child to at least listen to you and to work with you. All okay. Right. Number one, if if your child is one who likes uh, who likes to have structure, give them structure. You know, you're going to have to be with them a little bit more often, but give them that structure so so you can. And so you're going to have to do a little extra work to create that structure. If your child is a child who likes to be in control or likes to control different things, set it up as a game so they're in control of things. Right. And that will make them you know, feel more comfortable. That will help motivate them to actually work on the score. If not, what they're going to do is they're going to create a game where it's them versus you. okay? Right. And nobody's going to win in that type of game. No. Another thing you can think about is sometimes your children just want to make you happy. Now, unfortunately, in those types of situations, they're not necessarily sharing with you everything that's going on inside of them. So even if your child is the type of child who wants to make you feel happy, what you need to do is you need to ask them periodically, and periodically could be every you know, 10 or 15 minutes, what's going on? Uh, how are you feeling? Are you comfortable with this? Do you get an answer? You know, things of that nature where you're asking them questions. Now, one of the problems is a lot of times parents feel the need that they should be in control all the time, and right. what will happen in those types of situations is the child is going to the child may have a tendency of of rebelling because this is unusual for them too. They're used to being in an environment where their kids where they're are sitting next to them, their, their friends are sitting right next to them, so there's other kids there all the time, and here they are faced with you in another role. So right. it's stressful for everybody.
1: Yeah, it is. And uh, like uh, my granddaughter, she's getting ready for school and now it's going to be on a Chromebook and all of this. And she set up a desk and a work area because she's very organized. I told her I was actually going to give her a banner from Philadelphia real estate classes put behind her. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're going to be. But, uh but you know. We're
3: well, making like like, to, to, to everybody, Mark. Like we have a
1: minute left. But you know what? Like, I. T- Teaching people to get a real adults to teach a real estate license, that's one thing. But if I had a room full of kids, I don't know if, if I would be good at that. You know, I might be. I I could get carried away with facts and figures and,
3: and they'd be sleeping. And
1: not. Yeah, you know. Well,
3: let me let me give one. Let me. We give got one a minute left, so Tell us. You, that, yeah, go ahead. Go with everybody, okay? And that is put yourself in your kid's shoes. All right, forget about you. That's a good idea. Put yourself in your kid's shoes for for a couple minutes to see how they're feeling in this experience because it's new for everybody and stressing everybody out. uh, And it's just really awkward. They're tired of being with you as a parent. They want to be with somebody else, but they can't.
1: Especially for the last 160 days, everybody's been (laughs) stuck together. (laughs) All right. So, doctor, tell everybody how to get a hold of you.
3: It's real easy, Abelson, A-B-E-L-S-O-N dot net. Any team? Right. just go to our website, say hi, and we'll get back to you very quickly. Great. Thank you, All Dr. Very a. good.
1: Thanks, doctor.
2: All right. If you have any questions, Thanks. you can email them at 8029 at Comcast.net or give Mark a call at 267-266-5501. You can email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609 605 seven one five
1: three and a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in every sunday morning at nine and our sponsors for keeping us on the air in fact if you want to be a sponsor contact us we have a spot for you and you can reach everybody all week on twelve ten. and we want to keep you informed so tune in every sunday with that have a great week i'm mark cumberland I'm
2: Deanne katsaris your mortgage mom
1: You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. All positive. All positive. the time. All the time. The time. Good.
0: Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
2: When we make a profit, you see it. Better rates, fewer fees, and we give back to the community all the things that you want from a financial institution. Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit,
3: here for yours.